Prostitute story number one. Once upon a time, there was a son of Jacob named Judah. Judah himself had three sons. When his eldest son became of marrying age, he picked out a beautiful young maiden from the region in which they were living in Canaan. Her name was Tamar. The moment you hear the name Tamar, you remember that this is a story that will never appear in children's bedtime stories books. Tamar married Judah's boy. But the boy is so wicked that Genesis declares he was destroyed. Now the, the, the prevailing custom called the leveret there in the Near East was that if the older brother dies and leaves a widow without children, the next boy up marries the widow. Judah so instructs son number two, the son obeys, but because of his very kinky sexual behavior, he's destroyed. Now that leaves one boy. And Father Judah is not interested in losing boy number three with this bad luck Canaanite girl. So he says, manana. There'll come a time you get it. Tamar waits and waits. Finally, she tricks Judah after his own wife has died by pretending to be a shrine prostitute veiled by the side of the road in disguise. And lonely Judah gets her pregnant in that one-night stand. Sounds like the old afternoon soap operas, doesn't it? A few months later, when Judah learns that Tamar is pregnant and she is not married to the third boy, that means she's been sleeping around. He orders her execution. She shows up and brings the credentials that belong only to Judah. And he cries out, She is more righteous than me. And so the story ends with the father-in-law having sex with his daughter-in-law who gives birth to twins which should have been his grandchildren but turn out to be his sons. But the story's not over. Because in utero, the twins are struggling just like their progenitors, Jacob and Esau, before birth. They're struggling. And finally, one of the twins manages to protrude into fresh air his little hand. And just to show you I'm not making this up, I'm going to read it to you here. And as she, Tamar, was giving birth, one of them, the twins, put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But apparently the second one says, not on my life. There's more struggle. And guess who comes out first? The second one without the scarlet wrist. Hmm. Prostitute story number two. Once upon a time, there is another prostitute who, just like Tamar, grows up in the land of Canaan, who, just like Tamar, is a purebred pagan, but unlike Tamar, is not a fake prostitute. She's the real deal. But also like Tamar, she becomes a monotheist. She believes in the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And wouldn't you know it? Both of the stories are woven with a scarlet thread. Hmm. You're talking about Rahab, are you? Yeah. Rahab, the, the madam whore of the brothel in Jericho? That's the one. You can hardly blame Joshua's two spies for choosing to spend their night in that brothel, that tawdry, noisy house. Easier, much easier to fade into the riffraff there. But the pagan woman surmises that they are who she suspects they are. And so she confronts them, secures their confession, hurries into the roof of the brothel, hides them under flax stalks that are drying, used for linen, but not before extricating from them a promise. Oh, and I have a confession to make, she says. I too believe. Because if this God who has been doing the mighty works that brought this liberated horde of slaves out of Egypt and barefoot and sandals marched them through the desert, through supernatural signs and wonders, if this is the God, then in a few days she knows Jericho is toast. She confesses to them her nascent belief, her budding belief. She secures their assurance when she promises she will not disclose who they are. And then, shh, over the wall. But not before they hand to her. There must have been some red textile there on the roof. And it is a brothel, so red would be the color. They hand to her a red sign. If this sign is there, when we take this city and exterminate it, you and your family, around this sign will be saved. So, Joshua 2.21, agree. Accept the proposal. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the red sign, a scarlet cord of cloth, no doubt, in the window. I find it such a, such a glorious story, this saving of a pagan prostitute. I mean, please. And I know our, 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 our natural response is, well, let me just remind you that I am not a prostitute. I am not even a pagan. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't we, aren't we as, aren't, haven't we been caught as red-handed as she the Apostle Paul was not a prostitute. The Apostle Paul was not a pagan. But what's the confession he makes? Inescapable. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. You don't have to be a prostitute. You can just be you and be the worst. Oh, red-blooded sinner, just as red-blooded as Rahab, gets saved by faith in Christ. How did Rahab get saved? Glad you asked. Hall of Fame chapter Hebrews 11 verse 31, by faith, there it is. By faith, Rahab the prostitute, she just can't shake that moniker. She's stuck. It's all right, God wants us every time we see that moniker to be reminded, if I can save a prostitute, I can save you. I can save you. 
By faith, Rahab the prostitute, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And by the way, it is clear, not only is she saved by faith, she stays saved by faith. How do you know that, Dwight? Because she keeps showing up in the Scriptures. That's why. Go beyond Hebrews. We come to the book of James, chapter 225. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute? There it is again. Was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? By faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, she was considered righteous. James 2 tells us, she was saved by righteousness by faith. You've heard of that, haven't you? Righteousness by faith, the same way you get saved, the same way I get saved. And not just, Rah- not just Rahab, by the way, but Tamar as well. Two prostitutes with a scarlet thread running through them, which is why both stories are the spiritual stuff of the ancient community. They're, the stories are told and retold and retold. And in fact, when we, we get to the New Testament and Matthew says he's going to write this bestseller uh, gospel biography of Jesus, he makes sure to tell their stories. It's the most boring chapter in all the New Testament. We skip it every time to our loss, by the way. It's Matthew chapter 1. The begats. He begat, he begat, he begat, he begat, he begat. Yeah. I want to go back to that now. Our eyes have been focused. Let's go and read that. Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. If you're a true blue Jew, and Matthew's writing to Jews. If you're a true true blue Jew, you've got to be related somehow to David, and you've got to be somehow related to Abraham. So Abraham was the father of Isaac. Here comes the boring genealogy. Turn the page, honey. Let's keep reading further. No. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob is the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah is the father of Perez and Zerah. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are the twins. This Zerah, whose name means scarlet, this is the one that had the threat. Yeah. Perez and Zerah. How did they get in this? Whose mother was Tamar. Matthew sticks in to Ruth chapter 4, the very end of Ruth 4. It's just this dry old uh, genealogy. He intentionally inserts the names of mothers so that we get it, that there's room for us around the salvation table. Hmm. Wow. You're talking about the same, this this is the same Judah, by the way, who impregnated his daughter-in-law, his illegitimate twins. He and their mother are all in Jesus' family tree. In fact, yes, you got it. And through these stories, Matthew is saying, fellow reader and fellow sinner, take hope. Take hope. You can be there too. Oh. Ah. It's interesting that Matthew's inclusions or insertions, each one of them is stained with sexual irregularity in either their lifestyle or their story. There are five of them. And by that, Matthew makes sure we all know we are all covered. Keep reading. Let's go. So Judah is the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, and Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron is the father of Ram, and Ram is the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab is the father of Nashon, and Nashon is the father of Salmon. That's not Salmon. 
Salmon, and Salmon is the father of Boaz, whose mother was Ruth. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Boaz's mother was Rahab? You talking about that madam whore of Jericho? She married into the Messiah's line? You got to be kidding me. I mean, it's one thing to be saved by God, but it's a whole other thing to become a blood relative with God for Pete's sake. I tell you what, I don't know that the good news gets any more stunning than what's on the screen right now. This is Rahab, the prostitute, whose blood flows in Jesus of Nazareth, the Savior. Keep reading. And Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. Not only women, but immoral men are in this family tree. Now, in the misogynistic society of the day, okay, we'll put the women in. No. Equal opportunity, savior of crooks and saints. My, 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 my. David. Talking about a very male, very immoral meltdown, David and Bathsheba. In fact, she won't even, they, Matthew won't even call her name Bathsheba. He just says, you know, the wife. He's wanting us to know that's, that was really wrong. She was someone else's wife. My, my, my. David, who melts down. Heartbroken confession, repentance, and reformation. How do we know? Because he prayed the prayer, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And God heard that prayer and honored that prayer because David said, I'll be different by your grace. Wow. David. To the place, by the way, may I remind you, the Messiah is going to be known publicly as the son of David. Talking about intentionally embedding Jesus' own family tree with immoral sinners and saints like you and me. Have mercy, which is precisely the prayer they began to pray 2,000 years ago. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's a prayer I pray when I bury my face in the carpet of that little prayer room where I have prayer every day. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me too. It's a beautiful, it's a powerful prayer. We need to be praying it because he did have mercy on David and he still does have mercy. In fact, when the angel Gabriel shows up after the genealogy of Jesus in, in Matthew 1, I want you to pick up now how after the scarlet thread and the scarlet cord, the angel Gabriel identifies who the Savior is. Now there's one more irregular woman to add to the genealogy and it's young Mary a very irregular birth to say the least and you know what the people were saying Gabriel shows up and he's talking to Mary now he's talking about Mary I should say she Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Yehoshua that was it it wasn't Jesus 
It's not Jesus. Yehoshua. The name of Joshua. You know what Joshua's name means? Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. She's going to have a baby, and I want you to give that baby the name Yahweh is salvation. The Almighty is salvation because He, Jesus, will save His people from their sins. That's the gospel according to Gabriel. And please note how the Gabriel's gospel goes. It does not go, and He will save His people in their sins. Some of us think that's the way we'll get saved. It's just, you know, some of this stuff you just can't, you can't get rid of. You can't shake it. It's just part of you. You just do it anyway. No, wrong. He will come, Yahushua. And He will not save you in your sins. He will save you from your sins. And there's a huge difference, as you and I well know. How will He do it? By dying on His family tree. Because you see, the family tree is not the genealogy. Matthew begins with the family tree. He ends with the family tree. It's the begats over here. It's the blood over here. Because the family tree is Calvary. That's the tree that matters to you and me. That's all that matters to you and me. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. There is a fountain filled with blood. Wash, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Wash all their sins away. You and me. Wow. Two prostitutes that we now know lost all their guilty stains. And by faith were embedded in the Messiah's family tree of Calvary. And so can you be. How, Dwight? How? Just hang the scarlet in your window, the window of your soul. That's how. You'll not be destroyed. If that scarlet is hanging in the window of your soul, you will live forever and ever. Amen. But you have to have the scarlet in the window. window. It's the Savior's color. Red as blood. Sins as scarlet. They should be made as white as snow, the Bible says. It's the Savior's color. I want to end with this beautiful, beautiful promise. Ah, Through the goodness and mercy of Christ, the sinner is to be restored to the, to, divine, to the divine favor. With outstretched arms, that's the cruciform of Calvary, with outstretched arms, he is ready to receive and welcome not only the sinner, keep reading, but the prodigal. Do you know what prodigal means? Prodigal means you, you have been a part of the family. You ran away. You have gone to a far-off country. But there's somebody standing at the door of your spiritual home with his arms and his nail-scarred hands outstretched. You are to come home now. Come home now. Prodigal, come home. Jesus is calling. Softly and tenderly, come home. That's what prodigal means. His dying love manifested on Calvary is the sinner's assurance of acceptance, peace, and love that the sin-darkened soul may see the light shining from the cross of Calvary. Oh, my. Let every sin-darkened soul who is gathered today around this Lord's table know that in the redemption of these two prostitutes by the family tree of Calvary, a promise is just as sure that promise for you and for me. You've come to the right place. 
This is the place to be for your sins to be washed. All your sins washed away from a fountain that's been opened up, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, scarlet cord, scarlet cross, scarlet truth, scarlet hope. That's it. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Scarlet lover of our souls that you would graft us into your family tree through Calvary's family tree. Unbelievable. But we receive it by faith like Rahab did, like Paul did, by faith. Caught red-handed, we receive the assurance that you will not save us in our sins. You will save us from our sins. And so we gather with hope about this table. Oh, God, don't let us forget this moment. Be one of the most beautiful moments that we have lived of late. Stay right here, Father, as we gather at your nail-scarred feet, Lord Jesus. Amen.